Hey, welcome back, podcast family. Remember, this is part two. In part one, we began this discussion about ways to diagnose ruptured membranes. And in this session, we're going to finish that discussion up. Remember, in this session, we're going to review the three currently FDA-approved tests that are out there as screening tests for ruptured membranes. And out of those three, people really use only two, but they're not the same. There's some differences based on when you can use it based on gestational weeks. And there's even some performance differences that we have to be aware of. So let's finish this discussion on ways to diagnose ruptured membranes by doing this in-depth yet quick review of the different screening tests for that purpose. Let's get to it right now. Evidence-based medicine shouldn't just be a catchphrase. It should be how we practice medicine every single day. But never let that evidence-based practice override our compassion, our understanding, and our empathy for those who seek our care. This is Clinical Pearls. Well, let's start with what most people are familiar with. And by the way, we're going to go through some branded names in this session. But I got to tell you, this is not industry sponsored. This is not a commercial for ROM Plus or Amnesure. But if I just use the generic, which we are definitely going to do, I may lose some of the audience because they're like, what, what the heck is Pam G1? Well, you may not know that at the beginning of the session, but you totally will know it at the end. Because we're going to hammer this information down. Because remember, the way that we really should communicate these things is not by branded names. Because some hospitals may not have a certain brand. But you need to know the basis behind the brand. In other words, what the test is actually checking for. It's all going to make sense in just a minute, but I just want to make that very clear that no, Amnesure is not sponsoring this, nor is ROM Plus, but there's some things that we just can't get around. So for medical education purposes, even though we're going to talk about the generics, we're going to throw the brand name in there so that you can put those dots together, right? You can connect that information. All right, well, let's start with the one that's most familiar to everyone, and that's Amnesure. Amnesure is looking for a specific biomarker called placental alpha microglobulin 1. So it's pretty obvious why we use branded names, right? Because you're really not going to be in labor and delivery at the nurse's station saying, I need the placental alpha microglobulin 1 test, please. I mean, that's just dumb. I mean, I guess you could do it, but that's pretty nerdy. But remember, PAMG1 is what Amnesure is looking for. This is a rapid, non-instrumental, point-of-care, immunochromatographic assay. And I'm not saying all that again. The short of it is, it's point-of-care, and it doesn't use a big analyzer like some other tests that we have. Now, results are qualitative. They are not quantitative. PAMG1 is present in blood, amniotic fluid, and cervical vaginal discharge of pregnant women. Obviously, its main issue here is that it's much more concentrated in amniotic fluid than in those other issues and those other sources that we just discussed. To do this, a sterile swab is inserted into the vagina for one minute, and then that same swab is placed into solvent for another minute. Now, a test strip is then inserted into that vial, and results are available within about 5 to 10 minutes. So it's not bad, right? I mean, we're talking about getting it within 3 to 5 minutes. It's pretty quick. Now, the gestational age range for Amnesure, or PAMG1, is from 11 weeks all the way to 42 weeks. In other words, it covers most of the pregnancy. That's fantastic. 
but not all of them do that. So remember, one of the big clinical pearls for amnesia is you can pretty much do it any time in pregnancy. The sensitivity is really good at 98.9%, and the specificity is also pretty rock star. It's 98.1%. So without doubt, based on the literature, and not just in the original FDA trials, this is the best performer in terms of a biomarker test. Now, this test is also not impacted by semen or trace amounts of blood. But if you put that swab in the vagina and it comes out soaked or or all red, you know you're going to get a false positive because remember, this protein is also found in blood. Now, there is data that if the swab is just a little contaminated, it's it's not going to matter. It's still going to read out okay. It's not going to give a false result. Plus, some people say, look, if it's bloody and I send it and it's still negative, then it's really negative. And that's fine. It's just an issue when it's positive. You don't know if it's a false positive or a real positive if there's gross bloody contamination. Now, the time of testing from suspected ROM does matter here. Okay, because according to the instructions for use, now in very rare cases, when a sample is taken 12 hours or later from a rupture, a false negative result may occur, either because of obstruction of the rupture by the fetus or resealing of the sac. Now, again, I know it's more theoretical, but the truth is, Amnesure really was FDA approved based on data on its performance when it was collected within 12 hours of suspected rupture. So if a patient comes to labor and delivery with a possible three-day history of rupture and you get an Amnesure, that's fine. It's still okay to get. But just be careful, remember, because as the length of time increases from suspected onset of rupture to testing, it may give you a false negative. That's why, as we discussed in part one, the diagnosis of ruptured membranes is not based on just this test alone, but the entire clinical picture, which includes history and physical exam, and then this as an ancillary result. All right, so the clinical pearl for Amnesure was that it performs well, especially when done in the first 12 hours after suspected rupture, and Amnesure is looking for PAMG1. Well, that takes us now to Actim, P-R-O-M. Actim, or A-C-T-I-M, is the other test that's commercially available. This is using another single marker, which is insulin-like growth factor binding protein 1. That's a lot to say. So people usually say IGF-PB1, insulin-like growth factor binding protein 1. This is an immunoassay, and it's also a rapid test. This biomarker is present in amniotic fluid of pregnant women, which is why it's used for ruptured membranes. But unlike Amnesure, here's a clinical pearl. This test is only approved for gestational ages greater than 29 weeks. Remember, Amnesure, or PAMG1, was 11 to 42. Well, this is at a gestational age greater than 29 weeks going forward. But the sensitivity is only about 90% and the specificity is about 91%. So you can see that they're not comparable. So PAMG1 seems to outperform insulin-like factor binding protein 1. This test is also not impacted by semen or trace amounts of blood or bacteria in vaginal secretions. But Actim is not used much in clinical settings because, as we've already stated, it seems to perform less well than the other available tests. 
Well, we've got two tests down, and what's left is now a dual marker test. And this is the final one that we're going to discuss. This is ROM plus, okay? R-O-M plus. Now, it uses the same protein that we just finished talking about, insulin-like factor binding protein 1, but it also uses a second marker, which is AFP, all right? So it's actum plus another bioprotein. Again, both use the insulin-like growth factor binding protein 1, but ROM plus adds alpha fetoprotein. This is also a rapid immunochromatographic test, but this test swab is inserted into the vagina for 15 seconds and then placed in a dilutant, followed by a test strip. So it's similar to Amnesure, but unlike Amnesure that needs to be placed in the vagina for one minute, this one's only about 15 seconds. The catch is, of course, you can't just put it right by the entrance, right? Right by the introitus. It's got to go deep, trying to get to that posterior fornix. Ah, but there's an issue here, and that's that maternal and fetal AFP levels can be elevated for other reasons, like fetal neural tube defects or fetal body cavity defects. So before you go grabbing for this test at your institution for checking for the possibility of ruptured membranes, make sure you understand the prenatal history, because if that baby potentially has these abnormalities, well, it's not clear if those issues, because of its AFP influence, it's not sure if this test is even valid in those situations. Also, ROM Plus, unlike Amnesure that's approved from 11 all the way up to 42 weeks, ROM Plus has a gestational age range of 23 to 37 weeks. So if she presents at 41 weeks, technically, I mean, you can do whatever you want to do, but it's only approved for 23 to 37 weeks where we know its performance has been evaluated and validated. Outside of those, there's just no data. The sensitivity is 99%, but the specificity is only 75%. So remember, unfortunately, nothing seems to do what Amnesure does. And again, this is not a plug for Amnesure. It just seems to really have the best performance compared to the other two. Now, this test is not impacted by trace amounts of blood, but AFP can be found in semen, although at significantly lower levels. But it's one of those issues, again, that's why the specificity is only 75%, because unlike PAMG1, AFP can be found in semen. Even though it's at slower levels, it's still in there, and that can throw off the test. Now, I have to be clear here, because I'm not trying to throw this under the bus. The amount of AFP that's in amniotic fluid is vastly greater than the amount that's in semen, but there's still AFP and semen nonetheless. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, now that we've kind of outlined the three main tests, remember PAMG1, insulin-like growth factor binding protein 1, and then that same biomarker hooked up with AFP makes the three different commercially available tests. The evidence based on comparative data does seem to favor PAMG1. Ramsauer published in 2013 that PAMG1 just had superior accuracy over insulin-like growth factor binding protein 1, 
And the same was found by Liang in 2014 that showed Pam G1 had better performance characteristics compared to insulin-like growth factor binding protein 1. And for some reason, they actually compared it to nitrazine, which just didn't do very well either. Now, remember, I haven't forgotten. I told you in part one that I was going to talk about fernine and nitrazine. I'm going to talk about that. I didn't forget, but we'll leave that towards the end. The last comparative study I wanted to throw out at you was from 2014 from SOSA, that's S-O-S-A. SOSA et al. found that PAMG1 demonstrated a performance that was comparable to the intra-amniotic installation of indigo carmine. Remember, we talked about the installation test again in part one. So if you had to pick one, then PAMG1 seems to be the best performer. But remember, and I've got to say it again, None are diagnostic. These are just screening tests. Well, that takes us to nitrazine paper and fernine. Now, this is kind of weird because out of the, all of the different things that we have out there, those have the most intra-observer variability. So I do think it's kind of weird that ACOG still lists those as potential screening tests for ruptured membranes. I, I hate doing it. I haven't done that like in 10 years because it's just not very helpful. Now, here's what's interesting. While ACOG still mentions that as a possible screening test, the UK's NICE guidelines and the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists recommend against the use of nitrazine because it's just not very helpful. They say do physical exam and then if you have to, do a biochemical test like we've just discussed. The International Federation of Gynecology and Obstetrics, or FIGO, has also likewise stated that, quote, biochemical markers are better than traditional markers, including fernine or pH testing, because of their intra-observer variability. But remember, none of these takes the place of a proper history and a properly performed physical examination. Well, podcast family, that brings us to a wrap. I do hope you found this helpful. I mean, ruptured membranes? Come on. It's not like those are rare and far between. I mean, this is one of the most common tests we do in labor and delivery triage. So I thought it'd be interesting to kind of set the record straight. Now, who knows? There may be a new test on the horizon for ruptured membranes that outperforms PAMG1. And if it does happen, you know we'll cover it here on Clinical Pearls. We're thankful for you, and we'll see you on another episode coming up soon on Clinical Pearls.